Welcome to the podcast, Obsessive Edification. I'm your host, Monica. This podcast was created based on the words in the title. The word edification means the instruction or improvement of a person morally or intellectually. I'm obsessed with personal growth and knowing more about a variety of topics ranging from leadership development, communication series, human interactions, trends, and more. Grab a coffee, fold some laundry, enjoy your commute, or just sit back to listen. I'm glad you're here. In true technology time, I just recorded an entire episode and it didn't record. So welcome back to the official second episode of Obsessive Edification. I'm your host, Monica, and today's content topic is, it's feeling a little too 2020 in here. I've always been one for sayings, and as my husband loves so much, I also love analogies, and I feel like the number 2020 will be used for a long time, synonymous with dread, unending bad news, and another shoe dropping. Don't worry, this is not going to be a doom and gloom episode because it's 2020, and there's already enough of that naturally. But I do want to validate to anyone out there that yes, we are still in a pandemic. There are times where I feel like I'm in a twilight zone of a mental isolation. I have questioned myself in the last few weeks and the cautious behavior that I'm taking, according to CDC, when I'm around people who blatantly and at times probably refuse to wear a mask. Don't worry, I'm not going to get on the mask soapbox. Or others who act like we are back to normal or those who seem like everything is fine and dandy. I look around sometimes and I'm like, wait a second, are we in this pandemic? Is this political climate still happening? Is the racial inequities still a problem in our society? Oh, it is? Okay, well, this is weird because it feels like people have forgotten. Now, let me pause to say a few things. I am an optimistic realist by nature, and most people who know me will say I'm upbeat, energetic, and consistent. You aren't going to see me each day and wonder, I wonder which Monica I'm going to get, because like I said, it's consistent. I will say too, on top of that, thankfully, I haven't struggled personally with mental health issues out of the norm, whatever that is, but have many family members who have. All that to say, back to this twilight zone I just mentioned, last week, I felt like I was in a fog. I had a hard time concentrating at work, feeling motivated in general, and just felt kind of gray. It's out of character for me, like I just said, but in my armchair counselor way, I started analyzing causes, cognitive patterns, and of course, the deeper than surface root. It's simple. It's 2020. That's the cause. I want to remind anyone that's listening, none of this in general, what's happening in our life is normal. None of this is normal. I am not going to list all the disappointing factors of 2020 or why I've questioned some people's sanity and humanity or how I'm just plain sad when I see some people's behaviors because there's no doubt that you've experienced them too. But what I will do is remind you of how the brain works and give some insight into some things that have helped me keep my sanity. These are reminders that you cannot and will not sustain healthy mental processing if you do not do the things that calm you, relax you, and bring enjoyment. Or just name, we're still in a pandemic. I wish I didn't wait until my 30s to pick up on some of the behaviors that I'm going to talk about in a minute but hopefully you'd either do them already or pick some up too. But let's dive into a little mini brain lesson first. Threats push our buttons and can cause us to overreact. What I found interesting back in March when I started looking into brain research around trauma 
and a pandemic was that shockingly it can underreact to people think, gosh, others freak out during a crisis when really some people go into an underreaction mode to save themselves, if you will. I'm sure most of you have heard of the amygdala, which is a part of the brain that processes emotions, but mostly the fear. I won't get into the pure wonder that I have around God creating a whole section of our brain for this because it will definitely be a rabbit hole. But I will get into some things that the brain experiences during a pandemic. I found an article in Psychology Today, and because I want to recognize a woman who's just getting it done, the author is Mara Azab, who has a PhD in neuroscience, no big deal, from University of California, and is also an adjunct professor of psychology and human development at Cal State University, Long Beach. She's also given four TED Talks. I'll link them in the show notes, including the logical versus the reflexive brain, only one wins, and highly sensitive, should you change? Anyway, she writes this article about how the brain experiences many things during a pandemic. For one, it tried to offset the frustration of big problems by creating additional solvable ones. Yes, your brain created more solvable ones because the frustration of the big problems was unreasonable. That's why there was this toilet paper shortage issue. Because when COVID hit, the collective group of us was in a panic and it was unsolvable because it was in the, was the unknown. So everyone thought, let's gain some control by buying TP to be prepared. I wasn't in that group. We couldn't find any. (laughs) Something else that happens is that our brain assumes complex problems need complex answers. For example, the CDC recommends wearing a mask, simple, and staying socially distanced, simple. Some question the simplicity and just chose not to do it because surely it can't be the answer. I get it. Seemed too simple. Even overreacting I'm sorry, even overeating can be attributed to your unconscious telling you to overeat because there could be a possible food shortage. I'm not saying go nuts and blame eating a bag of Cheetos on the pandemic, but there is some science to that quarantine 15 that some people gained. I hope that brings solace to some of you. And because the brain would rather be overcautious and wrong, fake news and rumors start to gain credibility in an attempt to get the truth about what's going on and the solution. And I won't go into all the problems that that causes, For the pandemic itself, it's certainly annoying to the brain to have unpredictable situations happen because we lose that fake sense of control that none of us had in the first place. And it's this vicious cycle for our brains to go through in processing a pandemic. And last but not least, the science of the brain shows us that our attention span is limited during this pandemic. Oh, good. It wasn't just me last week. And like Dr. Azab said so wonderfully, salient information serves our attention regardless of our intent to focus on something else. Currently, our attention space is monopolized by anything related to the coronavirus. I was just thinking about this when I was having a hard time focusing last week. So all of this makes me feel a little more normal. Also, a search for control when I experience this gray that comes randomly or in waves throughout the year. If there's science behind how the brain works when under threat, no matter how long it is, threat, it makes me feel validated and I hope someone feels validated too. It's not like we need validation for the way we're feeling, but it does kind of help that that this is the way our brain works when under threat, pressure, or fear. I'm not going to just talk about the research without giving some ways that we can combat this type of thinking. So what can we do? First and foremost, take an information break. We talked about this at the beginning of the quarantine 
And I'm a content junkie and I love all the articles, the podcasts, the research and the data. But in the last few months, again, especially with the lovely political climate and the horrible inequities happening, anxiety tends to ramp up when I feel like the news is just constantly negative. I can't even get on Twitter anymore without seeing the your list of trending is just literally negative, 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 negative. So I had an old friend tell me about timers on apps, and I hope I'm not the only one who's new to this. But I put a timer on my social media app so I don't mindlessly scroll through the bad information and let it cloud my brain. I don't have time nor the mental capacity to take that in and deal with life. And I'm sure you don't either. So I'm taking back some of the freedom of time of being on social media and news and not letting it flood my days. Also, this is going to be a whole other episode, but go watch. Oh my gosh. I'm forgetting the name of it now. The social (laughs) something on Netflix. This is horrible. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's a documentary about being on social media and you might even think about being on it at all after watching this documentary. Meditation is another habit that I picked up with consistency this year. I've practiced it before and even taught it to my players when I coached, but being coached through a calm time frame to clear the mind now is relaxing. I read Eat, Pray, Love in my 20s and it sounded weird. It's also a good time and a good way to calm my bed time routine before I go to sleep in particular to quote the Beatles from the song. I'm so tired. You know, I can't sleep. I can't stop my brain. So meditation has been a really good way to just clear my mind from racing. There's so many apps out there. So just search your phone store for free ones. If you think one of them is cheesy, then just pick another one. Also something else that I picked up very consistently this year is restorative yoga. And some of you might be thinking, I don't want to balance on my big toe and try to hold my body up while shaking. And the good news about restorative yoga is essentially, it's just like calm stretching. You could do a 30 minute session. There's only like four poses and like, it's literally like you laying and you feel great afterwards. And honestly, it's a, it's a way of meditation as well. So restorative yoga, you can do it on the Nike app. I do it on the Peloton app. You could probably find some free ones on YouTube. But speaking of restorative yoga, working out has always been a great way to feel good. Also tied to science, I live for the post-workout endorphins that have been tied to happiness. I bought a Peloton in December before the quarantine hit. And for the first time in a long time, I have a 44-week streak of working out at least once a week. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying it's not always been easy in the last 44 weeks to at least work out once a week. But it's a stress reliever. And I don't work for Peloton, but I am a walking commercial because it's just been so helpful, especially during these crazy pandemic times. The workouts are legit and fun fact. You don't have to be to have their bike or tread in your house to get the app, but in true 21st century ways, in addition to working out, there's also many apps that you can connect with a licensed counselor. I'll link over 25 that you can use. It might be helpful to talk with a licensed counselor to walk you through the steps to process or just get out what you're thinking. Another thing you can do is to take a walk. I knew I loved nature before COVID, but now it's a full obsession. During quarantine, it was oftentimes my saving grace to a day full of Zoom meetings. And now it's still soulless and trying times. I believe in God and seeing trees sway in the silence of the nature sounds reminds me that there is a way bigger plan than the instant where I'm feeling overwhelmed. That is the sanity I find in all of this. Now, I wish I could say I've done better with the next few suggestions, but haven't, although I've tried all of them at least a few times. 
adult coloring pages and or doodling that can be calming also tied to science journaling i've always been a journaler so that's on and off anyways so that's a natural way for me to get my feelings out but i have been a little too exhausted to sit down and write and of course cleaning and organizing we spent more time in our houses than we ever have cleaning and organizing is my jam if someone else is doing it and since there's no house visitors it means there's a lot to be desired in my desire to be clean and organized now that we've returned to work in school, I've put more into routines for prepping and getting out of the house. And that's also my contribution to being organized. Now I just need somebody to come over and do my pantry because it's a hot mess express. Last but not least, eating healthy. I know, like don't roll your eyes. But I will say I've had to cut out gluten and most dairy since quarantine for health reasons. And not just like I want to be healthy, but like legitimate health reasons. And because all good junk food and just good food in general has both dairy and gluten, I've had to stick to healthier foods than I'd like when I want to stress eat. But guess what? I sleep better, I feel better, and I'm less swollen among other health benefits tied that were tied to the negative symptoms I started having. And that makes me feel good. So go eat some lettuce instead of some chips. I mean, look, chips and ice cream is not a bad thing every now and then. But again... Biologically speaking, junk food makes you feel like junk. So I will link the different resources in the show notes, including resources that I forgot the author's names around and around mental health and the other content. I hope you're leaving listening to this episode reflecting on if you've taken care of yourself and mental health intentionally and recently. It's feeling real 2020 in here. So you need to. See you next time.